So the sermon this morning, I started to name this the Nitty Gritty, but it reminded me of that band from the 70s or 80s, the Nitty Gritty band, and I didn't want to do that because I didn't want you to think I was going to be singing those songs. But we're going to talk about dirt today. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about soil this morning because that's really what this sermon is all about. In the adult class, those of you who may have been in there this morning, uh, Doug asked a question about us reaching those who are unwilling. And he asked for comments, and I just said, I'll defer to my sermon. So here's my answer to his question for those of you who are in that adult class. Um, this, the story of the, the, the parable of the sower is a powerful one because of the way that Jesus addresses people and who they are. And he talks about our responsibilities as believers and what we're supposed to do. And there's one thing that I want to put your minds at ease right at the very beginning of this sermon. It's not our job to till or prepare the soil. Okay? I just want you to know that it's not our job to prepare the soil. It is only our job to plant the seed. That's it. Now, I've had gardens. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of looking at the backyard of this little place where we're moving into. It's over in Menifee, and, and the front yard is gravel, and I love it. <laughs> I don't have to cut grass. I might have to get something to kill a weed or two that grows up through the gravel, but I'll take that any day over cutting grass. And you know what? The backyard, it's gravel too. So I don't have to cut grass in the backyard either. But there are some really, really cool places in the backyard that I, may, I think I can have a little garden spot. And I'll probably do a raised garden because I don't want to move the gravel to plant anything. I'll just plant on top of it and build up something. But I love, I love gardening. I really do. I have all my life. And Lynn says, Ed, you like planting. And that's really true. I like the planting. It's not the keeping it. It's not the weeding. It's not the harvesting. I just love to plant things and watch it grow. Um, and, and, and I just get a kick out of that. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's relaxing, and I, and I like watching that. Our job as believers is to plant seed. I can't figure out, and I can't determine if someone is receptive to it. Have any of you ever had a conversation with someone who didn't seem to understand what you're talking about and frankly didn't care what you had to say, regardless of the topic? We've all had that, right? I mean, you know, my day job through the week, Monday through Friday, I'm in that funny little business called the funeral business, and trust me, nobody ever wants to talk to me. <laughs> ever. I mean, they never want to talk to me about what we're doing. And I'm like, I get it. Nobody wants to check in. I, I totally understand that. Well, it's, it's kind of the same way in conversations about faith sometimes. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Have you noticed? They just don't have any desire to talk about it. Well, guess what? And I'm just going to let all of us off the hook. That's not our problem. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility to figure out who wants to hear the message or who doesn't want to hear the message. It's only my responsibility and our responsibility to be brave enough and bold enough or crazy enough to just throw a little seed out and plant some seed. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians said, you know, he planted seed and another waters, but what? It is God who what? Gives the increase. God gives the increase. It's not us. That's God. That's his Holy Spirit working with the seed that we've planted and the seed that we're watering. That's what God does. He's the one that works on their hearts. And guess what? Some people are never going to listen to the message. That's what this verse is all about. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Jesus goes on to explain that verse of Scripture a little bit later to those who are listening to him. And he says, look, there are some people that are never going to receive the seed. They're never going to receive the message. And it's not because of the messenger. It's not even because of the message. It's because their hearts are hard. And they don't want to have anything to do with it. How many of you enjoy chicken liver? 
Three. I can tell I'm not in Alabama. Because if we were in Alabama, about 92% of you would say, yes, I like chicken liver. I don't eat that stuff. It's too close to the bloodline. I just don't go there. I just don't. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it. Don't put it on my plate. If you do, I'm not going to eat it. And I'm telling you, people with the message of the word, they're like that sometimes. They just don't want to hear it. I have met people. And, I, and they say, what do you do? Generally, when people ask me what I do, I ask this question, do you really want to know? <laughs> I really do. That's often, more often than not, that's my reply. Do you really want to know? And, and then they'll say, well, yeah, what do you do? And then I'll tell them which, whichever is appropriate at the time. And I tell a lot of people, I'm, minister on, I'm a minister, I preach on Sundays, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. And what's really, really interesting, this has happened to me on more than a few occasions, I'll be hanging out with somebody that I don't really know very well, and their language is less than nice, and it's a little vulgar, and it's a little crazy, and they use little F-bombs and all kinds of fun words in their vocabulary. And all of a sudden they say, Ed, what are you doing? I'm saying, I'm a preacher. Their language changes like that. Isn't that amazing? How they can change it just like that because they find out, oh, I'm a preacher. But they don't want to hear the message. Some people just don't want to listen. Some of us, some of us have family members. They don't want to listen to what we say. We have friends. They don't want to listen to what we say. We meet strangers. They don't want to listen to what we say. That's not our problem. Each person somewhere, somehow, is going to be sought after by God. And they get to make the choice on their, their, of their own free will as to whether they will listen or not. But it isn't my job to make them listen. I only get to plant seed. There's another kind of soil. Some fell along the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Jesus describes that verse of Scripture this way in chapter 13. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Isn't it interesting how Jesus describes the rocky soil? They hear it, they like it, they take it, they run with it, bam, and then the first thing that comes along, oh, I don't want to do that. That's kind of like me training for a marathon. I tried that once. I didn't need to do that very long. I believe the Apostle Paul is correct when he said, bodily exercise profiteth little. And you notice I quoted the King James on that. It profiteth little. I believe him. I do believe him. Now, now I'm not against exercise. I'm being facetious. But I want you to understand that there's some people, they'll start something and they'll go gangbusters and all of a sudden, poof, they disappear. Have you ever known someone who became a member of the church and before you could turn around, they're no longer at the church? Have you ever seen that happen? It does happen. I don't know why. Except something in their life happened that caused an undue amount of pressure to come upon them for which they were not very happy or comfortable, and they made a choice to say, thank you, but no. I think I'll pass on this. Had a situation years ago, a church in Atlanta that I used to work with. There were two gals who worshiped with us there, and they became roommates, and they were hanging out together, and, and the one gal had been a, a member of the church. She grew up in the church, and she brought her friend to the Lord, 
And all of a sudden, before I know it, they have this little falling out. There's some challenges that happen between the two of them. And the newest gal who had become a Christian came to me one day and she started complaining and telling me about all the problems that they had. So I had a meeting with the two gals and we met together. And finally the resolution was, I'm just not going to live with you anymore. I don't like you anymore. And I'm not going to be a Christian either. And she walked away. You know what she told me? She said, the problem I have with this church and with this person with whom I've been living is the fact that um, she's a hypocrite. And you know what my response to her was? Thank God she's a hypocrite. Because if she wasn't, I know I am, and I couldn't go to church with her. The reality is we are all hypocritical in some way. We all are. Have any of you ever told someone that you'll do something and then you turn right around and not really do what you said you were going to do? Yeah. Be brave souls. Yeah, we raise our hands. We're all like that a little bit. We all are. There are things that happen in the world that cause people who have heard the word to say, no, I don't want to hear this anymore. I think I'm going to go away. And it's not necessarily anything that we have done in the church. It's just something that's happened in the world around them that's caused them to say, this is too much. I can't take it. And they leave. My only prayer is that they come back. But they've fallen away. And the scary part about this thing called falling away, it's not that they just stop going to church. The scary thing about really falling away, when you really look at it and understand what falling away really means in the Bible, it has more of a connotation and an expectation that they have denied their faith and they've denied the Lord and they've totally walked away from Him, which means they're in a whole lot worse condition now than they were before they started. And that is a very frightening place for one to find him or herself. That's why we as a church have to love one another so much that when we see someone who's kind of slipping or who's not around or who isn't here so much anymore, we need to use, and I'm going to borrow Chuck Vickers' expression, we need to love on them even more because Chuck always talks about loving people. And he is absolutely right. Because sometimes the only thing that can draw them back is to really love them in the name of Christ. And then there's this next little statement that Jesus makes in this parable. He says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Now listen carefully to how Jesus describes this. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Making it unfruitful. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you want to accept my interpretation of this or not. If you don't, that's okay. I'm going to go have lunch when we're finished here anyway. But I want you to realize that this whole thing about fruitfulness and unfruitfulness, just from my perspective, really does mean living the way that God would want us to live. And it includes a whole lot of things other than and inclusive to bringing other people into the family of God. It's just not about new converts, okay? Is that, is that fair? It's not just conversions of other people. Unfruitfulness means that we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have joy and peace and brotherly kindness and all of those things. And, and so when the things of this world, the worries of this world or the wealth of this world choke us out and we become unfruitful, it's a frightening place for us to live because we're not really living a life that God wants us to live. Now you know, for mo at least most of us know in this room, especially those of us who live in Southern California, it takes a lot of money just to survive to live here, yes? I mean, even if you live on a boat, it takes money. 
to live in this community. It really does. And, and I, want, I want you to think about this with me. It is easy for us in this world where we're at to get caught up in just trying to survive to the point, to the point that we might become unfruitful in our lives. Now, I want you to notice something that's very, very important. You'll notice here that Jesus, when he explained this verse of Scripture, he didn't say that those who are unfruitful have fallen away. We're not talking about losing your salvation here. We're just talking about not being as fruitful in the kingdom of God as you might otherwise have been had you not gotten caught up and distracted by all of the things of the world that are going on around you. You get where I'm coming from? Oftentimes we think, well, if you're not bringing people to church or if you're not teaching Bible classes or if you're not sharing the word of the Lord every day, you must not be a really good Christian. Seriously? How many apostles were there? It's a trick question. Depends on when, yes? There were 12 original, right? Judas quit. Well, sort of. They got another one, right? That makes 13, yes? And then who was the apostle coming a little late? Yes. So there are 14 apostles, right? Yeah. What was their job? Establishing churches. Establishing churches. Going to all the world and preach the gospel. That was their job. How'd that work out? For those 14 men. Well, one of them died before he could get around to doing it because he killed himself, right? He portrayed Jesus and that ended, right? Don't know too much about Matthias, the 13th one. Paul we know all about because he wrote Acts and a bunch of other stuff and we know about his life. We don't really know a lot about the other apostles. We really don't. We don't know a lot about, we have, I mean, there's some ideas as to how their lives progressed and how they ended. You know, one supposedly went to India, another did some other things. There's There's some stories about the apostles that are out there. But think about it. How many believers were there in the first century? I mean, think about it. There were how many on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. And then there were another few thousand on another day? Yes, yes, there were. And then there were multitudes, yes? And how many of them were out preaching the word? I just want you to think about this with me. How many of them were out preaching the word? I'll tell you what my opinion is. Not very many. Not very many. But I believe with all of my heart that there were a lot of them who were living fruitful lives because they didn't get caught up in the things of the world. Because when they accepted Christ, they realized that the things of the world would only give them a fleeting and passing enjoyment out of life. You know what I'm saying? Have any of you ever, ever, ever had your heart set on going to a phenomenal steakhouse like a Ruth Chris or one of those other really good steakhouse like Ken DeBose Backyard? <laughs> Just saying, he cooks a pretty mean steak on the grill. Have you ever had your, your heart just set on that? Or maybe you had, maybe you planned this great vacation. You were going to go to Hawaii or Tahiti or, or wherever, or maybe an Alaskan cruise. You ever, ever really had your mind and heart set on that? And then you get there and it's kind of like, eh, that's not so great. You know what I'm talking about? When you and I live fruitful lives, it's not, eh, not so great. Unless, unless, we get caught up in things of the world. And when we get caught up in the things of the world, when, when, the, when the 
When the pressure of trying to make more money, when the pressure of trying to survive and live like the Joneses, you know what I mean when I use that expression, when you're trying to keep up with the neighbors, when those kinds of pressures kind of take over, we miss being really fruitful. Because the greatest, some of the greatest experiences, some of the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest living happens when we're being fruitful in the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus says in the next verse. He says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. How many of us truly could name or tell all of the wonders of living a fruitful life? I've I, I got to be honest, I can't even begin to tell you. I wouldn't even attempt to tell you how many people, in my experience over the last 40 years, have been impacted by something crazy or silly or wild or off the wall that I did in the name of Jesus. You get where I'm coming from? And it's not preaching. With all due respect, this is probably the most least effective thing that I do. Because there aren't many people from out in the world that come here to hear this. You know what I mean? So how often, really, how often, how effective is this? Now, I want to encourage you. I hope that what I say can help to change your life and make you do some things a little differently. But I want you to realize that this is probably the least effective thing that I get to do in the name of Jesus. Where it's really good and where it really happens is when I leave the building. And when I get to go hang out with people. Because I'm just telling you, there ain't no telling what's going to happen when you're around me. (laughs) There's no telling. And I know many of you are like that. I know you are. I've been around you. I see how you talk to people. I see how you interact with people. I see how you treat other people and their kids and the old ladies and the young ladies and the old men and the young men and the teenagers. And the, I see how you do that. And that is where the produce comes from. That's where the production comes from. When you and I are engaged in being involved in spreading seed into the lives of people in the name of Jesus, that's where the wonder of being the believer happens. That's where real life is lived. It's not lived in here. I'm glad all of you came. How many we have today? 192. Thank God. 212. 207. That's a good day. Any day over 185 is a really good day. Any day with 12 is a good day too. I just want you to realize that planting seed is what our job is. We don't till the soil. It's not our job to till the soil. One one of the things that drives me nuts in the church planting world, you know what I'm talking about when I use that expression, in the church planting world? One of the things that drives me crazy is when they try to find their niche market of the people that they're going to really reach out to. Are you kidding me? Where did Jesus ever find a niche market? Where did he ever come up with that? Where do we get the idea that when we go into a community, we can reach this particular group of people because that's what's going to make the church? Seriously? That's crazy. Our job is to plant seed. Uh, To all kinds of soil. 
And I don't get to pick the soil. I just get to spread the seed. And I know some of it's going to fall on deaf ears. I know that. I know some of it is going to fall on ears that are receptive, but only for a very, very short time, and then the things of the world are going to pull them away, and they're going to say, no, I can't take this. I know that sometimes people are going to receive it, and they're going to take it to heart, and it's going to be with them until they die, and they're going to have a home in heaven waiting for them, but maybe it's only the broom closet in heaven because they didn't really do much here because they were so worried about living here, and then I know sometimes it's going to fall on ears that are like, thank you, where have you been, and why haven't I heard of this before? I don't know where the seed lands. I just know I get to plant it. I don't know how people are going to react. I just know I get the privilege of sharing it. However insignificant it is, it's still seed. And you and I need to embrace the parable of Jesus when he says, go spread the seed. I shared with you last week that the sower purposely and intentionally went out. He went out. And I encourage you again this week to make a, make a purposeful, intentional decision in your life that when you leave this building, when you leave your home, when you leave your place of employment, when you leave school, wherever it is that you go, you intentionally and purposefully will be sharing something that represents the fruit of the Spirit that is alive within you, that is the seed of the Word of God. And that is our son. So don't worry about the dirt. It's a little dusty sometimes. Kind of messes up your vision when it's too dusty. But sometimes it's perfect. And there'll be great, great things that come from it. But you don't have to worry about that. That's God's job to bring the increase. It's only our job to plant a little seed. Brandon's going to come and lead us in a song. There's a stirring. And I pray to God that there is a stirring in this place. Because I want this little conversation we've had the last two weeks about being a sower of the seed to permeate through your lives and everything that you do so that every day and every way, somehow, somewhere, some way, you spread a little bit of the joy of Christ that lives in you. Let's encourage one another as we stand and sing this song. Let me invite you. I'm